Support for IPR comes from Corridor Vein Center and Corridor Aesthetics, treatment for varicose veins and spider veins, also providing facial rejuvenation services and treatment for moderate to severe acne. More at Corridor Vein and CorridorAesthetics.com. It's an encore edition of Talk of Iowa from Iowa Public Radio. I'm Charity Nebbe. All week long, we've been focusing on K-12 public schools, and our schools are facing a lot of challenges right now. But they are also doing great work. And today we ask, who's it all for? The answer, of course, is the students. And this hour, we're going to meet students from all over the state who are making the most of their public school opportunities and making their teachers proud. We're starting the hour at Marshalltown High School, where Yesenia Alvarez-Zamora is a senior. Through the extended learning program for high-achieving students, she's been able to do some really incredible work throughout her school career. And she is on the line with me now. Hello, Yesenia. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. And you've been part of this extended learning program uh, ever since elementary school. Can you tell me a little bit about how that changed your school experience? So being offered the opportunity to participate in XLP just kind of gave me an outlet to communicate my ideas better, express them and develop them, which eventually led me to doing my science fair projects. You've been doing science fair since seventh grade. Tell me how you got excited about that. Well, the idea of a science fair was something that I always um, enjoyed, at least from seeing it on television and stuff like that. But when I heard that there was actually a program here that would be willing to hear my own ideas and like develop into it, it was just very exciting. I had a lot of separate interests that maybe I didn't get to indulge as much in with like the regular school curriculum. So the XLP and the science fair was a really good outlet for me to do all of that. So you've been doing science fair for a long time. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about, I guess, the evolution of that process, what that has led you to as a senior in high school? My parents do a lot of like gardening in their own yards. And so the process of planting stuff and growing your own food has always interested me a lot. One of the, some of the issues that come along with that is just drought. Those are some of the most basic world issues that I kind of heard about from a young age. So my idea was just kind of trying to keep the water in the soil for longer. But eventually doing more research and, and thanks to the opportunities of the program, I was able to develop that idea to transition into biochar. And biochar is something that I discovered through the program that was kind of an organic method that served both as a fertilizer and, and a water retention. So something that, that can really um, make it easier to grow foods and obviously grow, grow healthier foods. Yeah, it's carbonized biomass. It's something very easy to make and very accessible for people throughout the world. So that got me excited into working with it. You have actually written a paper that has been part of the World Food Prize Symposium. Can you tell me more about that? The World Food Prize Symposium involves the student picking a country and then within that country, picking a specific hunger issue and trying to solve it. With my extensive science fair research, I was able to apply what I learned about biochar, how this was an incredible alternative fertilizer that was very easy to make and how its porous capabilities held water in the soils longer. And I applied it to what I knew about Mexico and saw that it could help the people. And I tried to communicate that the best I could in my paper, which led me to being able to participate in the Global World Food Symposium. 
Wow. So this is science is not your only interest. I also read that you've been involved in the National History Day competitions and made it to nationals with an exhibit that you worked on with a, another classmate called La Huelga, the struggle that brought farm workers rights. So the really amazing thing about the XLP program is that it helps you indulge in whatever interests you may have. There really aren't any specific limitations. And the history of social issues in this country was something that really interested me. So I was able to do a project on La Huelga, which was how farm workers in Delano ended up going on strike and earning better working conditions for farmers all over the United States, which was kind of a ripple effect during the 1960s, uh, the civil rights movement era. And that was something very exciting. Yeah, and part of the civil rights movement that I think that we don't necessarily talk about uh, as much as some other parts of the civil rights movement. So you did an exhibit featuring the work of Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta, both, of course, labor leaders and civil rights activists. And being able to participate in nationals, it was virtual, wasn't it? So you didn't actually get to go to Washington, D.C.? Regrettably, no. But we did get the honor of having our project showcased in the virtual exhibit for the Smithsonian Museum of History. Nice. So you have gotten to go far beyond uh, the typical experiences that most high school students have in the classroom. You are a senior in high school now. What's next for you, do you think? Well, I want to pursue a career in the medical field. How that journey will plan out, I'm not quite sure yet, but I do want to go to college this incoming fall. And right now I'm considering Iowa State and Grinnell College as my main two. How do you think these opportunities that you've had access to through the ELP program have shaped you as you look into the future? Well, this helped me develop more than just the typical academic sense, which is usually what, or at least traditionally what colleges and just People from the outside can see the numbers and scores on tests, but this has helped me delve into and discover my own personal interests. It has helped me develop social skills by working with other people. And so this is just general life knowledge that I will, it will help me carry on into my education, but also into my career and just general aspects of my life in the future. Yesenia, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you. Yesenia Alvarez-Zamora of Marshalltown High School. Landon Stanley is a sophomore also at Marshalltown High School, also part of the ELP program, and he has also been participating in science fairs since seventh grade. Last year, he was selected to be an observer at the International Science Fair in Atlanta, Georgia, and he is on the line with me now. Hello, Landon. Hello. Thank you so much for talking with me, and take me back in time. When did you first start participating in the ELP program? I first started participating in the ELP program when I moved to Marshalltown Community School Districts in fifth grade. All right. And how do you think having this opportunity to do things that go beyond the kinds of things you could do in the classroom has shaped your school career? This program definitely does challenge and provide lots of opportunities for expanding greater thinking for those who are kind of boxed in in regular core classes. Okay, so there I mentioned science fair already, but has there been an opportunity in particular that you have been most excited about through these years? 
I was most excited about Science Fair, but a close second would be me winning Poetry Out Loud State Championship. Uh, that was definitely one of the things that I was most excited to do. So well, the, the Poetry Out Loud competition, so you won for all of Iowa last year, and that meant that you got to go on and compete in the nationals. And that is when you perform poetry that was written by someone else. You, you perform another poet's works, right? Yes. What did you perform? I performed uh, Broken Promises by David Kirby, uh, Graveyard by Marianne Moore, and then uh, La Belle Dame Sans Merci, a ballad by John Keats. So with Science Fair, um, I know that you got to go to the International Science Fair as an observer last year. What was your project last year? My project was testing one of the variables in a water decontamination method called SODIS, which basically works by exposing water to sunlight, and the sunlight and heat from that kills off any pathogenic bacteria that's within the water. And it is actually a CDC-like recommended uh, water treatment for third world countries along the equator. What got you interested in doing that specifically? So I really like microbiology, and that was the category that my project was in. And I kind of had started looking around for different projects that I could apply to that category. And my teacher here at the high school, Ms. Fritzell, she's the ELP teacher, showed me a book and it had a photo of a little girl using SODIS and I wanted to know more about it. And then I decided to test at what angle the bottle, if propped, what, like what angle would work best. All right. So maybe to improve on this system. Mm-hmm. You've been involved with the ELP program ever since you moved to Marshalltown. So you've had years of these opportunities. How do you think it has shaped you to have this kind of opportunity available to you through your public school? I think that these types of opportunities have definitely taught me determination. I think that they've kind of broadened my horizons because without these opportunities, I would not know anything about poetry. I would definitely not know anything about soils and wildlife, such as Envirothon. Like, I wouldn't know a lot of extra things that the, um, that the typical person wouldn't necessarily get to know, if that makes sense. And I think that these opportunities are just like, honestly, an honor because without them, I don't, I really don't know where, where my education would be at. Landon, thank you so much for talking with me. <laughs> yes, thank you. Landon Stanley is a sophomore at Marshalltown High School. Peyton Wright is a seventh grader at South Hamilton Middle School in Jewel, working on an innovative recycling program to help reduce plastic pollution. Hello, Peyton. Hello. Thank you so much for talking with me today. And the project that you are working on is part of the TAG program, the Talented and Gifted program. And this project is for this year's science fair, right? Yes, correct. All right. Tell me about it. What are you doing? So for our science project, we wanted to see how we can reduce plastic pollution in our schools and introduce recycling. All right. And so you don't have recycling bins at your school yet? Nope, not yet. But we're working on it. <laughs> All right. Well, you're just you're just a few weeks into the project. You've got time to, to solve some things. Why did you pick this project? Well, we picked this project because we were reading about, like, the plastic pollution in the world. There's actually a guy of, like, 
complete plastic in one of the oceans. And there's been plastic found in the human bloodstream. And that kind of worried us. So we're trying our best to try to make solutions. It may not be for the whole entire world, but as long as it's a difference, we'll still try to make it. So you have been in the TAG program at school ever since you were probably in about second grade. Can you think of a way that you think it might be different if you didn't have this chance? Well, if I didn't have this chance, I'd probably be mm, probably more bored. Because without TAG, there's not really a lot I do at home. So, like, it wouldn't, like, work my brain as much. And I like a challenge. Awesome. Well, Peyton, thank you so much for talking with me today. You are beyond welcome. Peyton Wright is a seventh grader at South Hamilton Middle School in Jewel. We will meet more outstanding Iowa public school students in a moment. I'm Charity Nebbe. You're listening to an archive edition of Talk of Iowa from Iowa Public Radio. Support for IPR comes from Corridor Vein Center and Corridor Aesthetics, treatment for varicose veins and spider veins, also providing facial rejuvenation services and treatment for moderate to severe acne. More at CorridorVein and CorridorAesthetics.com. This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion including Above and Beyond Cancer. I'm Charity Nebbe. This is an encore edition of Talk of Iowa from Iowa Public Radio. This hour, we are meeting public school students from around the state who are making their teachers proud. Nathan Deeds is a junior at Williamsburg High School. This past summer, he traveled to California to compete in the 2022 Braille Championship Finals, and he emerged victorious, the national Braille champion for his age group and the recipient of the Harley Fetterman Award for Excellence in Chart and Graphs. He is on the line with me now. Hello, Nathan. Hello. And congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So uh, I want to talk about you, but first, because I think a lot of people probably didn't even know that there were Braille championships. Can you tell me what you do at the Braille championship? Yeah, so we the process starts about um, usually in January or February, depending on where you are. So I compete here in Iowa at our regional championship, uh, usually the last weekend of February. And so if I score within the top 10 in my age group, which I have the last couple of years, then I get to go um, to the national finals. So this year was the first year I got to go in person. So I got to go down to Los Angeles, which was pretty cool. And while we're there, we compete in four categories. So we do the reading comprehension, uh, a speed and accuracy test, charts and graphs, and a proofreading test. So we go through all of that. And then um, I managed to score highest this year. So that's pretty cool. That is awesome. And so it clearly it's not just your knowledge of Braille. This sounds like the ACT or the SAT. This is your knowledge of everything. Yeah, the, somewhat, especially um, especially certain parts of it. The proofreading section especially can turn into that. So it's pretty it's usually pretty fun. So you moved to Iowa when you were in sixth grade. And I'm curious when you maybe you don't remember this, but when you and your family moved to Iowa as a blind student, were you a bit apprehensive about what you'd encounter with a new school? Um, there's always a little bit of that for sure. So I, I came in, I was lucky though. I came in my seventh grade year. That's when our school switched over to junior high. So there were a lot of people who were obviously all kind of nervous about their situation just because, you know, it's a new deal for everybody. So I've been really lucky. Our school has been really great to work with in almost 
everything. So I've been I've been really lucky there. For generations in Iowa, blind students didn't actually stay with their families. They they went to go study at the school for the blind in Vinton. That is not the way things work now, which is is great because uh, you get to to stay with your family and participate in school like every other student. Um, but tell me what kind of accommodations are made for you. So most of what I do is pretty standard. I have um, a laptop uh, with a screen reader on it. So I use a screen reading program called JAWS that allows me to read everything that's on my screen. And I also have a Braille display that I use so I can download like books to that so I can read them for like English and stuff in Braille without having to get them in a hard copy format necessarily. So most of what I have um, is um, I also do some hard copy Braille stuff for math and science especially i also do some of it for history so that i have access to maps and things and then um i have my uh my para helps me she translates um documents into braille that we need to braille here and then she helps me when i um have answers and stuff for worksheets we translate those back to print so that i can turn them into teachers so that's pretty much mostly what i have you also work with a private instructor, and she is the person who told me about you. When I said I was looking for extraordinary students in Iowa, she said, you have got to talk to Nathan. So she's obviously one of your teachers who is very proud of you. But tell me a little bit about that. I mean, that's that's something that uh, most high school students probably could use, but don't <laughs> don't get as part of their instruction. What do you guys do? Um, yeah, so we do a lot of um, working on like intersection crossings and stuff. Um, that's what we did a lot in the, at the start, but I've gotten a lot better at that. So a lot of what we do now is I go over to, we go over to Iowa city and we practice on like public transit and using Uber and Lyft and that kind of thing, because that's a lot of stuff that I will need in my, in the future for sure. So we'd go and work on a lot of that. I also go work with the Iowa department for the blind in Des Moines over the summer. And I do some training with them. Um, so it just gets me the opportunity to kind of get into bigger cities and have different experiences with public transit and stuff that I may not be able to have in a smaller place like Williamsburg. Right. So tell me, reflect on your experience in the public schools in Iowa. In uh, an article that I read about you talking about your championship you said that you really felt like this was a great opportunity to highlight some of the great teaching that's going on in Iowa. Tell me more about that. Um, yeah, I feel like there's, I feel like there's a lot of good things going on uh, in Iowa. I've had, um, a lo- I've had a lot of teachers who have been very nice to work with and are very willing to make sure everything is working for me in their classes so that I can have equal access to what's what's going on in all of these classes, and that's really great. And so. Um, I feel like that's benefited me quite a lot because getting the same opportunities as the other students in my school. You're a junior, so you shouldn't have to think about the future too hard. But I know everybody's already asking, what do you think the future holds for you? Um, I plan on after I graduate, I want to go to college and uh, study accounting. I want to become a certified public accountant. So, Well, and you got the Harley Fetterman Award for Excellence in Charts and Graphs. This sounds like exactly the kind of uh, aptitude that an accountant needs. Yep. So, <laughs> yeah, I've, I'm kind of looking forward to it. So, Well, Nathan, thank you so much for talking with me. You're welcome. Nathan Deeds is a junior at Williamsburg High School and the national Braille champion in his age group. 
It is no secret that the traditional public school environment doesn't work for every student. Teachers and schools don't want the students who struggle for whatever reason to fall through the cracks, and many districts have alternative programs. Compass Alternative Center is a voluntary high school program designed to provide an alternative education for students in grades 11 and 12 in the Linmar and Marion Independent School Districts. Michaela Abercrombie is a Compass student. She is a senior on track to graduate in 2023. Hello, Michaela. Hello. (laughs) Thank you so much for talking with me. And I know that you feel like Compass has helped you become a successful student, really for the first time in your school career. Of course, when you're a student, that's not the only thing that is going on in your life. And a lot of students are are dealing with challenges outside of the school hours that probably make it hard to, to get things done Uh, maybe in the way things are assigned. So before you came to Compass, did it feel like life was getting in the way of school success? Yes. um, I was working uh, four to nine. So like right after school, I would have to go straight to work. And then once I got home, I was tired. So I couldn't really like get straight home and start doing my homework that I had. So I would try to get it done in the next class. And then I would like miss assignments that we were doing at the moment. So it would just like get me more and farther behind. Yeah, it sounds overwhelming and frustrating and exhausting. (laughs) Yes, very exhausting. And we usually got out of school at like 3.20. So as soon as I got out of school, I was rushing to work. When I got home, I was going straight to sleep because I had to be at school at 8 o'clock in the morning. And yeah, it was very stressful. Were you afraid that you were not going to graduate? Yes, I was. Before I came to Compass, um, my um, counselor had told me that it was a... um, 50-50 chance that I would have to um, repeat another year of school after it was time for me to graduate that I would have to do another year. Oh my gosh. How did you react when when you learned that? It made me feel like I was going to disappoint my mom if I didn't graduate that year and it kind of made me feel sad that I wasn't going to be able to graduate with my classmates that year and it just felt like I was going to be very behind and yeah doing another year of school just made me kind of angry. So when did you learn that Compass was an option for you? Um, One day I was talking to my counselor. We were talking about my credits and how far I was towards graduation. And then he had recommended that Compass was a course that I could take that would help me um, get more credits and help me um, towards my graduation. And you, you transferred to Compass during the fourth quarter of your junior year. Yep. So when you got to Compass, tell me about your reaction as as you got used to this different way of doing school. Yes, I actually loved it. They were very flexible, loving, caring. I felt safe. They helped me with a lot. Um, tell me, Tell me a little bit more about that, feeling loved, feeling safe in your school environment, uh, what is it about Compass that that makes you feel that way? Um, Well, the teachers here, they are just, they are very flexible. Like, they help and understand, like, if you can't meet the deadline, they'll give you more time. Um, They are very helpful. Like if you're stuck on a question, they'll come over there and talk you through it and help you throughout the question. They won't just give you the answer. They'll help you out to get to the answer. Um, They're 
with the comfortable part, they're very, like, you can sit wherever you want to feel comfortable in the classroom. You can kick your feet up and feel comfortable. And, yeah. So you are still doing an incredible amount of work. You're taking seven classes and you're still working part-time. Are you working as much as you were working before? Yes, I am. I'm still working the same shift of four to... Actually, I work four to ten now. It's not nine anymore. It's ten. So, But yeah, it's not even that hard because when I get to school, I'm able to catch up on work whenever I'm done because the, um, the things we do in class are kind of short, like the Ed Puzzle, so I'm able to like work on the Ed Puzzle while he's doing a reading or something and still be able to listen and focus on both things. Wow. So you're you're doing as much work as you were doing before, but you're doing it in a way that's manageable for you. Yes, that fits suits me and suits them. That's that feels kind of almost miraculous. Does it feel almost miraculous to you? Yes. <laughs> yes, I love it. That's so great. And you are on track to graduate in Yes, I am. In and you're planning to graduate in March of 2023, so you're graduating a little bit early. Uh-huh. Yes, I am. Wow. That's incredible, too. Congratulations. I'm actually so excited and happy that my teachers were able to help me come this far. And yes, they've helped me a lot. That is great. Do you have a favorite class? Um, Yes, I would have to say my government class with Mr. P. He's amazing. Oh, that's so great. So, of course, graduating from high school is an incredibly big step, and you are probably sick to death of having people ask you what comes next, but what what are you thinking about after you graduate? Well, yeah, today um, somebody just came up here, a man from the military, um, uh, from a program, a military program, he came up here and was just talking to me about how I could... My folk, my main focus is nursing. So in the military program, they have like this healthcare specialty class. I could take a program for 16 weeks that would help me complete courses, college courses and credits and stuff. And I would be able to walk into any open door hospital with a certificate from them. That seems pretty exciting. Yes. Michaela, thank you so much for talking with me today. You're welcome. Anytime. I'm so glad you have found a place where you can thrive. Me too. <laughs> I, it's absolutely amazing. Michaela Abercrombie is a senior at Compass Alternative Center in Marion. Sia Smith is a senior at Urbandale High School, and she's a member of CORE, Community of Racial Equity. The organization's mission is community, advocacy, liberation. Hello, Sia. Hi, how are you? Good. Thank you so much for being here today. And you have been involved with CORE since it began three years ago. Can you tell me a little bit about this community coming together and and what prompted the creation of this organization? Oh, yes, of course. So it started um, in 2021, um, 2020, 2021, after the murder of George Floyd. Um, And a couple of uh, now they've graduated, but they were seniors at the time. Um, they decided, like, we want to talk about this in school. So they brought it up to um, the admin team, and we started CORE, basically. So tell me a little bit about your background in Urbandale schools. You've been in Urbandale schools all the way along, and historically speaking, this has not been a very diverse school district. So for you, as a Black student, did you feel pretty 
alone growing up? Yeah, that's definitely a way to put it. I mean, it was me and four other black people um, in my grade. And, you know, we just kind of stuck together because, you know, we were the only people. We looked like each other, and that was really it. Um, I remember one time, like, in fifth grade, we wanted to, you know, have a Black History Month to show people, like, who we are, like, what we look like, because there's not many of us. And so we tried to do a Black History Month in fifth grade and just to share our culture with other people. So having the opportunity to come together with other students of color in a really meaningful way through CORE, what has that meant to you? It really means a lot. I mean, we don't talk about race at our school um, prior to CORE. And it's very evident when we all finally did come together and talked about race. It was like, oh, my God, like you're having the same issues I am. Like, you you know, you're, you know, you're having like racism, racism happen to your face, like, just like I am, like, we need to do something about it. So it meant a lot to me to know that people, like, I'm not the only person having this issue, and that we can try and fix it in our school district. So this has really given you an opportunity to connect with other people, to share your experiences, to talk about race in a meaningful way. What else have you been able to do in CORE over the last couple of years? when we like realized like, Hey, we have a problem at this school. Like we need to show people that there's a problem at our school. Um, we decided to put together a survey and the survey was talking about race. So basically, um, first off ask what race are you like, what do you identify as basically? Um, uh, like, have you experienced some like racism at your school? Do your teachers look like you? Are they the same race as you? Stuff like that. Um, you believe white privilege exists. And, um, we gave this survey to students and we also gave this survey to teachers. And once we got the results, I mean, they were pretty horrible. So we showed it to our admin team and we showed it to all the teachers at our school to just show like, hey, like kids are saying this, teachers are saying this about our school, like about people at school. Teachers just were apprehensive and they didn't want to acknowledge like that there's actual racism happening at our school and it's right in front of you. Do you feel like you... And, and the other members of CORE have been agents of change. I, obviously, life is not perfect at Urbandale High School. I am sure that there are still problems. But do you feel like you have been empowered to, to make change? So over the summer, we put together a lot of stuff. I mean, we volunteered at a lot of places um, like Pride, Art Festival, uh, food pantries, stuff like that. Um, we also uh, volunteered with the Des Moines Refugee Center. Um, at school, actually this week, actually, we have um, a culture fair going on. We did like culture week, stuff like that. Um, we have meetings every Friday just to talk about things that are happening in like today that schools don't talk about. Um, so, yeah, we just try to like create a place where like people can feel comfortable with their culture and culture is being celebrated. What does it mean to you to have had the opportunity and your work is not done, but to do this work in a meaningful way in high school? I mean, it, it means a lot. It's it's given me a platform to, to speak my opinions and also uplift other people who aren't exactly comfortable speaking. So I've just been able to, like, get in front of people and just be like, hey, like, this is happening at our school. Let's talk about it. I've been able to talk with adults and have adult conversations with them. And I it just, it's just given, it's just prepared me for the future when I do have to, you know, tell people what's wrong and how we can fix it. Sia, thank you so much. Thank you. Sia Smith is a senior at Urbandale High School. It's an encore edition of Talk of Iowa from Iowa Public Radio. This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion.
the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. I'm Charity Nebbe. This is an encore edition of Talk of Iowa from Iowa Public Radio. All week long, we've been focusing on Iowa's K-12 public schools. Today, we're meeting students from around the state who are making the most of their public school opportunities. Memphis Jess is a senior at Bellevue High School in northeastern Iowa who excels at many things, including bringing people together. Memphis, hello. Hi. Thank you so much for talking with me today. And let's start with that part of your senior year experience. You are president of the student council this year, right? Yes, I am. All right. So tell me what that entails. So, so far, I kind of took over the transition, I guess you could say transition of power, um, was I got elected at the end of the school year, this past school at the end of my junior year. So I've been president since May now, and right after school ends, we usually do a big like school clean out and then a highway cleanup. So we did that. It was very successful. We have a very big group of freshmen through seniors this year, which is really great. I'm glad that they all entrusted me in being their president this year. And that's really our only summer event that we ever do. But we're about a quarter of probably about eight, like two months in to school now, something like that. And we just wrapped up homecoming week, which is always uh, probably the busiest week of the year, every year. It was a very successful homecoming week, but you know, we're, we're not super far into school, but we have a lot of plans. I have some really great advisors and other fellow officers that are classmates of mine. We have a lot of great ideas for the rest of the school year and hope to make it a great one. All right. Can you tell me just one more thing that you hope to do, hope to make happen this year? So one specific thing is that I would love to host a charity basketball game for cancer. Someone hosted a similar type event last year through Bellevue Big, and no one is doing that this year, but I would love to have some kind of charity basketball event where the community as a whole comes together to surround one cause and, you know, raise as much money as possible and donate that to whatever group we feel necessary. That that sounds like a big challenge. And you mentioned Bellevue Big. Tell me what that is. Bellevue Big is like our division. So like Bellevue, Bellevue High School's division of Iowa Big. It's a school run program. So it's during the school day. So I personally, I'm down at Bellevue Big two blocks of the day. And it's a completely separate building compared from the actual high school. And we pretty much surround ourselves with school projects, but also community projects. So my personal project is with two other classmates and Bellevue Big members. We started a podcast. Our main mission for this podcast was to inform the community about Bellevue Big, but also talk about things that are going on at the school. We're trying to build a new elementary school, things like that. But Bellevue Big is pretty much just to help educate the community and benefit the community because although Bellevue is a really small town, we are very big and mighty. And it's also an opportunity for you to learn while doing practical hands-on projects, right? Yes, we do a lot of hands-on projects. So the studio that I'm actually in right now, which is the new home of our podcast, was built by three other girls who are also my classmates. So they completely took the shell of a room. I think it's about 
uh, eight foot by uh, 14 foot, 20 foot room, something like that. And they completely drywalled it. They set up everything. They put the, all the, the foam blocks on the walls and everything. And they did a really great job. And they're actually renovating the rest of the basement that we're in right now. But, yeah, we get down here at Bellevue Big, we get the opportunity to work with people from the community and not just people our age. And it's not traditional learning. It's a lot more hands-on learning. And we get to really have free reign of all of the things that we do. Exciting. Now, have you been in Bellevue for your entire educational career? Yes, I have since preschool. All right. Well, this is the culmination of your educational career in Bellevue. Take a look back for me. Tell me uh, how you feel about the public schools in Bellevue. Being a senior now, it's very bittersweet to look back on because, you know, it's just yesterday that we were graduating preschool. And, you know, it's going to be really odd to walk down the graduation I guess, steps and aisle with the same person I did at preschool graduation. So that's wow. very bittersweet. But I have had the amazing opportunity, as we've like already kind of touched on. We have a lot of great teachers here at Bellevue. And even though the state and it's, it can be very hard just in general, like nationwide, for teachers to love their job and thrive in their job and be given the opportunities that the superintendent and principals and everyone at BHS has been given, but our teachers love their jobs and they really care about learning. And it's not just normal textbook learning. Our advisors down here at Bellevue Big are, two of them are teachers and they, they teach and they're down here also as advisors. And then many other school run things, like I'm in work-based learning, which has become a very uh, new common thing throughout the state that is run by one of our business and computer teachers. And so our district has really just given a lot of the teachers free reign and the ability to teach in their own way. And it's really paid off. I know I've benefited a lot from it and past BHS students have benefited from it. It's really great to see new programs start up. And I have been toward like, I guess, towards the beginning of a lot of these new clubs and new programs that are run through the school. So yeah, it's really great to see how much things have progressed since I was like started school in like 2008, something like that. In the small community that we live in, it's about 2,500 people. I have 48 people in my graduating class. So we all have gotten to know the teachers extremely well on a personal level and they trust us. They trust our vision when it comes to being creative. I want to ask you a personal question. Um, you are openly gay, and you mentioned living in Bellevue, a town of 2,500 people, a small town, a small school. Has that been challenging for you? Yeah, I am not going to sugarcoat it. It has been very difficult and a journey as it is with anyone who comes out, regardless of what you are coming out as, if it's your sexual orientation or your gender or whatever it may be, it has not been as easy. And that is one thing I used to be very bitter, to be completely honest, and resentful towards a lot of the school, I guess, because I was just, you know, fighting, fighting internally and mentally, which is also super important, the teachers and 
uh, faculty have really started to prop up mental health, which is super important. But it has not been easy. But, you know, being in leadership roles, I have my voice heard now. And the last few years, I've been able to have my voice heard. And I hope to be a voice for the maybe the younger gay kid that's in fourth grade that's watching me talk at a school assembly and they they are know internally that something is different with them but they uh, look up to me and know that they are not going to be discriminated against and that I can be I guess a fighter for them so I always hope to be a voice for the people who are voiceless you are a senior this year what's next for you so hopefully the plan is right now to move away, which obviously kind of stems from, I guess, being gay, to be completely honest. I'm also incredibly involved in politics, and I love the way the government works and everything like that. So I hope to land somewhere on the East Coast. I'll probably major in political science, and I hope to double major in something else just to broaden the job landscape once I graduate and then possibly end up going to law school to further help those who are, once again, kind of voiceless by a system that has oppressed them since America's conception. You know, plan, plans change a lot, but uh, I, I hope to do good regardless. I am sure that you will. Memphis, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you. It was an honor. Memphis Jess is a senior at Bellevue High School. And all week long, we've been talking about the challenges facing Iowa's K-12 public schools. One of the biggest challenges is a shortage of teachers. And many districts have started programs designed to grow their own teachers. Trenton Swenson is one of those future teachers. Trenton, hello. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. And, and before we start talking about your work as a future teacher... You do have a pretty busy schedule. You are an athlete in football, basketball, and track. You're also in band and choir. Uh, it sounds like you really love to be involved. I do. It's, I love being involved. I feel like it's my job to like give back to our school and community in any way I can do that. I just jump right in. Well, that's great. You are also on the Student Council. You're in the National Honor Society, president of FFA, and a student rep on the school board. So <laughs> you're, you're beyond involved, I think it's safe to say. Have you always wanted to, to be so involved in, in everything that you could be involved in at your public schools? I'd say so. I mean, I guess I didn't really realize until I got really into high school, but um, I knew that I had a lot of knowledge um, being wanting to be a teacher about the education system. And I felt like at the school, I wanted to hop in and be involved. And I have a lot of good knowledge to share with a lot of people. Tell me about wanting to be a teacher. When did that idea first come to you? I guess it's something I've always wanted to be. Ever, even since like kindergarten, I've just like wanted to be a teacher. Back then, there really wasn't a reason. But as I've gotten into high school, I've noticed like a lot of teachers have helped me out, just people in the school. And I feel that the best way to return that kindness is to do it myself and pass it down to the next generation, you know, to inspire people just as I have been inspired. Can you tell me about a teacher that has really inspired you? Well, I can tell you about two. Okay. So um, Amanda Conley and Andrea Bauer. So they're sisters. I and mean, they have always just been there for me. No matter what I've been going through, they're kind of my go-tos, I'd say. Um, if I ever just need to vent or need advice about wanting to be a teacher or anything, I mean, they are just like kind of my rocks in the school building, I'd say. 
And so they're always willing to jump in and help me at any aspect of my life. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. And when you started telling people that you wanted to become a teacher, what kind of reactions did you get? From my family, not very good ones. They felt that I needed to do something like engineering or being a doctor, make more money. I've always been um, advanced in school, I could say, but I knew I never was interested in that. I want to be able to go to work with a smile on my face and leave with an even bigger smile on my face. Wow. And to have the clarity to know that at this point in your life is kind of extraordinary. How did you come to that? I guess it's just something I think my teachers here always told me, like, you know, when you can inspire students, it is something that makes your life worth it. Like, the pay doesn't matter at that point because that is just priceless. So in addition to all of the things that I talked about earlier and your class load, you are now working as a paraeducator while you're a senior in high school. This is part of a program to encourage kids to become teachers and and to help them on their way. Tell me how it works. So yeah, it's called the TPRA grant or teacher slash paraeducator registered apprenticeship. And it's something that the Iowa government started to combat the teacher shortage. So for me, it works as for the first half of the day, I have an open schedule. I get to come to school and I'm in the fifth grade classroom. I get to work as a para in that all morning. And then in the afternoon, I go to my classes. And then um, actually this semester, I'm taking college classes to get my para certificate. And then after I complete that and some gen ed courses, I'll move on to the next portion of it, which would be like the actual teaching degree part of it. So it form my bachelor. So right now it's the first step, which is becoming a paraeducator. And then from that, I move to the next step to become a teacher. And what is that fifth grade classroom like? Pretty chaotic. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. I, I mean, no day is boring for sure. Like I never know what's going to happen. I'm always on my toes. Um, they kind of think I'm like the coolest person ever, I think, like, because I'm still in high school. Yeah. And I'm also the, the only male para at our school. So like all the boys just think I'm the best. It's a lot of fun. Has this really helped you feel confident that you're headed in the right direction, that you do want to be a teacher? Yeah, I definitely think so. Because one of the main things I, that I want to be a teacher is to connect with students, making that connection that they're always going to remember. And that's what I'm seeing in the fifth grade classroom is like, I am connecting with students and that's like the best part of my job. It's like getting to converse with them and like laugh. And I mean, it's just amazing. What do you want to teach? I want to teach high school science and social studies. Wow. Why? I've always had a love for anatomy. So this is for the science part, but I'm not enough to be in the medical field. Like just like a fine line. So instead of, so I thought the next best thing would be to teach people about it and you pass on my knowledge and maybe inspire those next nurses and doctors through that. I really love life sciences. I just really think it's interesting to like understand how we work and how, you know, the things around us work, like the living things around us. And then tying that in with social studies, I really like behavioral science, understanding our brain. And then history is just super cool too. I mean, you know, tying in current events with past events and you know, making sure they have an understanding of, you know, voting and like what's going on in our world as they're leaving the school. Because I think that's an important role of our school is to get them ready for life after school. When you think about where you might like to teach in the future, what comes to mind? Well, I want to teach at a smaller district. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I think the staff is a family. When you work at a smaller district, you know, every face in the building, you know, student or staff, and you have a better ability to make those connections. So a smaller district where I 
will have more chances to make connections with students and my coworkers. I, I want to ask you a personal question, and uh, it's okay if you don't want to talk about this, but I know that your mom passed away recently, and you really found a lot of support in your school community. Does that play into how you think about becoming a teacher and being a part of that, that school environment? It absolutely does, because I think that's one of the biggest things I realized was like, my teachers were people who were reaching out to me and like always there for me. And when I talk about Amanda and Andrea, like that is something they always are checking in on me. And it's been a year, which is a long time and not a long time. I think at the same, like in the same time, um, but they're always checking in me, making sure like I'm taking care of, and that's something I want to be able to pass down because I have that experience and, you know, kids are going to go through it forever. And so if I can make that connection with that student, like, Hey, I've been through this. Like when I was your age, like I'm here for you like that, just like that's, what I want to do. Like, that's a like big goal of mine is to be able to have just that one connection, even if I can make it like that's super important to me. Trenton, I have absolutely no doubt that you are going to be an incredible teacher. Thank you so much for talking with me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Trenton Swenson is a senior at Riceville High School and a future teacher. All week long, we've been focusing on Iowa's K-12 public schools, Iowa Week was produced by Caitlin Troutman, Samantha McIntosh, Danny Gear, and Katherine Perkins. Special thanks to Grant Gerlach, Josie Fishels, Tony Sarabia, and Natalie Dunlap. This is an encore edition of Talk of Iowa from Iowa Public Radio. I'm Charity Nebbe.